Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we help women who have lost children to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, life coach and certified grief recovery specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 18, Don't Believe Your Thoughts. I'm going to tell you I'm on to myself and I want you to be on to yourself too. Several times a day, something will happen and I'll have a thought about it. And it's so interesting now because I actually pay attention to the thoughts in my head where it used to just happen. I would just believe every thought that came into my head before. So let's, uh, for example, let's say someone emails me and tells me that someone on my team, we'll, we'll call her Susan, at work didn't handle a situation the way this person who emailed said that they should have or the way that person thinks they should have. And my brain would immediately go into, you should have trained them better. Why weren't you paying closer attention? You're not a good manager. You're a terrible leader, blah, 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 blah. And those things would just bombard me and I would just go with it. Like, oh, these must be true because this is what I'm thinking. And I, so I used to believe every single word. In fact, I used to think it was useful even to have bad thoughts about myself. Now this is, this is kind of crazy, but I thought, well, it keeps me humble and humility is noble and honorable. And so therefore it's good for me to be in check and, and to think these terrible thoughts about myself in order to stay humble. But now I no longer believe everything my brain tells me. Now I'll listen to what's going, coming up in my brain. And then I get to decide what I want to think. It's a skill that I've had to develop over time. And just like any skill, it takes lots of practice and coaching. I've had lots of coaches and vigilance, and I'm still getting better and better at it. But let me tell you a little bit about the science behind all this. So our brain processes, and these are crazy numbers, but literally our brain processes 400 billion bits of information a second. 400 billion bits of information a second. But we are only aware of 2,000, but even 2,000 is a crazy number. I did the math on it, and if we're aware of 2,000, so 2,000 of them are coming up, at least in some, those bits of information, at least in some way, are coming up into our conscious brain. If you do the math, 2,000 out of 400 billion is 200,000. That means that our subconscious is processing bits of information 200,000 times faster than our conscious mind. Here's another interesting fact. 70% of the thoughts coming up from our subconscious brain, the bits of information is negative, 70%. Here's some other little bits of information. If you're a person that likes little bits of information, what our human senses process, our eyes process 10 million bits per second, our skin a million bits per second, our ears 100,000 bits per second, smell 100,000 bits per second, and taste 1,000 bits per second. So our eyes are definitely the most, the sense that processes the most information. So let's look at the subconscious mind. What is the purpose of the subconscious mind? Our subconscious mind is, is bringing in all these little bits of information and then determining what's important for us to pay attention to. 
Because if our conscious mind was holding on to all those bits of information, we wouldn't know where to look or think or see, or, you know, we're just, our brain is doing the work for us of what's important. But our subconscious mind is there to try to keep us safe. So it's filtering through all this information and looking for things that might harm us. And that is probably why we're, we're seeing that 70% of the subconscious is negative. Over time, we develop a belief system. A lot of that belief system is developed when we're children, where we don't have a lot of ability to analyze the information that's coming in and determine if it's good for us or not. So we develop a belief system. <laughs> By the way, the abbreviation for belief system is BS. <laughs> That's so funny. Anyway, so what do we do about it? So there's a lot of transformational thought leaders and they all teach that our thoughts create our reality. Jack Canfield, Byron Katie, John Maxfield goes on and on. So our thoughts create our feelings, which influences our actions. That's kind of the basis of the idea. Our thoughts create our feelings, which influences our actions. But I want to take a look at a couple of thought models that I found particularly helpful. One is from Kirk Duncan, and he teaches a thought loop model. So visualize this in a circle with four points on the circle. The first point on the circle is thoughts and feelings. Then in turn, those thoughts and feelings create how I act, how we act. And then how we act influences others. And then the last bit on this wheel is how we influence other creates results. Okay. So you have thoughts and feelings, actions, influencing others and creating results. It's on a wheel because when we create results, then that then in turn brings up new thoughts and new feelings, which influences our actions, which influences others and creates results. So we have this wheel going on. I think it's really, really interesting thought loop model. The other one that I have found particularly helpful is Brooke Castillo teaches the CTFAR model, which starts with the C. The C is a circumstance or situation. T is our thoughts about that circumstance or situation. F stands for feelings. What are feelings that come up because of our thought? A stands for action and R stands for results. So, so the thought is where the choice lies. It's like a domino effect. It creates the feeling, the thought creates the feeling and the action and the result. And then we could do kind of like that other thought loop where our result then goes into that circumstance line. This is the result. This is what happened. This is the situation. New thoughts, new feelings about that, new actions, new results. So just for an example, today when I woke up, there was a news report on my Facebook feed about an accident on the highway near my house. Now, I could have all kinds of thoughts about that. Let's say I was trying to get to work. My thought might be, this is terrible. I'm going to be late for work. Or let's say that my son was one of the cars in the accident. And I think, this is awful. He can't afford a new car. Or I might think, and this is kind of what I did think because it didn't affect me, 
too bad that happened, but it doesn't affect me. Now, each one of those thoughts is going to create a different feeling. If I think this is terrible, I'm going to be late for work. It brings up anxiety, maybe even fear because you're going to be late from work and you're worried about your job and all those feelings that come up. Or if, if let's say my son was involved in the accident and I think this is awful, he can't afford a new car. Then again, I'm going to have anxiety. I might again have fear. I might have concern. Um, and so forth. But then the thought that I had was too bad that happened, but it doesn't affect me because I didn't need to be on that highway this morning. Then my thought is just neutral. There, I have no, or sorry, my feeling is just neutral. I don't really have any feelings one way or the other about it. It's just something that happened. If we look as at the circumstance as neutral, so the circumstance is just a fact. It's not, a lot of times what happens is we think this is terrible. I'm going to be late for work. And we think that's the circumstance. That's not the circumstance. The circumstance is the accident on the highway. The thought is this is terrible. I'm going to be late for work. The reason this is so important to separate that circumstance from the thought is because it gives us ability to choose. We start to recognize that the circumstance is outside of us and our thought is what's coming up internal and we get to choose what we're going to think about it. So let me just go on with this particular example. Let's go with the circumstances, accident on the highway. The thought is, this is terrible and I'm going to be late for work. The feeling is anxiety and fear. The action is spinning out of control and coming in harried and nervous to work. And the result is, you have a terrible day because of your anxiety, because your anxiety follows you into work. And then that result actually proves the thought. Your thought was, this is terrible. I'm going to be late for work. And the result is you have a terrible day because of all the anxiety that it created and you're behind and blah, 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 blah. So that is kind of the unintentional example. But what if you're in your car and you're stuck in the traffic? And the, the traffic, the accident, that's just a circumstance. That's just something that's happening outside of you. And your thought is, I'm going to be late for work, but there's nothing I can do about it and it's okay. Do you see how that neutralizes it? So we can just relax and we can, you know, our action might be, we spend the time listening to music that we enjoy or even a podcast that we enjoy. And our result is that we come in and everything is okay. And we just, you know, this is the, this is what happened. And we just go about our day and everything is fine. And the result is we have a good day and we get our work done when we get there. So in that first example that I gave about the email and then the thought, oh, I'm a terrible leader. So you see, if you think of that thought, I'm a terrible leader, circumstances, the email, the thought is I'm a terrible leader. The feeling is fearful, insecurity, feeling um, fear and, and insecure. And the action is taking unsure, indecisive, or ineffective action. And the result is I become a terrible leader because I'm taking indecisive, ineffective action. But what if we turn this around to an intentional model? So the email comes in and I have all these thoughts. These are all unintentional thoughts that come up in my brain, right? But then I redirect them to I need to explain proper procedures to Susan. 
I can dismiss all these other thoughts that come up that my subconscious brain that's worried that something awful is going to happen. I can say, you know, thanks a lot, subconscious brain, but it's really not that big of a deal. I just need to explain proper procedures to Susan. So when I have that thought, I need to explain proper procedures. My feeling is I feel decisive and clear. And my action is I talk to Susan in a non-confrontational, calm manner. And I add, I might even add that procedure to a training schedule. So the result is the team member is trained on proper procedures. Again, the result proves the thought. The thought was, I need to explain proper procedures. And the result was, that is exactly what I did. And they were trained on it. So I get to decide. I get to decide if I'm going to believe the thought that I'm a terrible leader, or if I'm going to redirect my brain to think I need to explain these procedures to Susan. So it's super helpful, especially in the beginning, to do this on paper. If you have something come up, write down all your thoughts about it, and then pick one and put it in the model. So again, you have your circumstance, and then your thought, your feeling, your action, and your result. Also, it's particularly interesting to examine your feelings when something comes up. Let's say something happens and you and you feel this strong feeling come up. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's disappointment, but you have these feelings come up and you can start the model with the feeling and then determine what was the thought that led to that feeling. But you have to be aware because you're going to think that the feeling came without a thought. A lot of times when I work with people, this is what they tell me. There was no thought. It was just this feeling came, this happened, I saw it, I reacted, I just had this feeling, you know, somebody said something or someone did something and we just immediately have this feeling that comes up. But beware, there is a thought that comes first. Every single time you can find the thought. This is what I help people do is I help them find the thought. Sometimes there's so little time between the circumstance, you know, like someone saying something between that and the feeling that we don't recognize that there really was a thought first. I want to tell you a little bit about something that happened this week. I have very few things that belong to my daughter, Carrie. I actually have very few things that belong to my son, David. Some of that was a conscious decision. And some of that was just uh, some things that got lost in a move. We actually have moved three times since Carrie and David died almost 13 years ago now. And I had cleaned out their rooms. Both of them were sharing rooms. My son David was sharing room with his older brother. And so it was really important to me that I, I make that room up for my son James so that it wasn't a memorial to his brother, but it was his, it was James's room. So that's what I did. And the same with Carrie, that space, I wanted to reclaim that space for the rest of our family. So a couple of months after they passed away and everybody makes different decisions about this and there is no right or wrong. I just want you to understand there's no right or wrong on this, but this was the decision that I made because of our circumstances. I had gone into my daughter's room and we had gone shopping just before she passed away. And she had picked out 
the cutest clothes. And one of the little t-shirts that she had picked out that she was so excited about was a t-shirt that says, I love mommy. And I just thought it was so funny. I remember thinking it was so funny. She was 10 years old that she got so excited about this t-shirt. I think, I, I can't remember now, but it said, I love my mommy or I love mommy or something to that effect. She was so excited about this t-shirt. So this t-shirt meant so much to me because that made me feel so good. I had good thoughts about that. I had good thoughts about the fact that she loved this t-shirt that says, I love my mommy. And so this was one of the the shirts, one of the outfits that I really wanted to keep of hers. And somehow in the move, that whole box ended up getting lost. I don't know how. I don't know if our movers lost it, but it never made it to our new location um, after we moved from that house. So I've ended up with very few things that belong to them. I have a mug that she painted for me that says mom on it. I actually keep paintbrushes in that. I find it really comforting to have that on my, on my art table. So I, I have this mug that she made for me. It used to be in the top of my cabinet because I didn't want to use it. And then I thought, you know what? I just need to use it. I just, I just want to enjoy it. I want to see it more often. But there's a couple of little things that we, we did have. Um, she had made a bar of soap. I homeschooled my kids. And so they had been at this homeschool class. And in this class, they'd made homemade soap. And in the bar of soap, she had put beads in it. And she had used pipe cleaner to put a J for my first name, Julie, in this bar of soap. And it was a little pink bar of soap. And I've kept that bar of soap in my basket of soaps. But, and I thought that I had communicated to my family that this is in here because I want it in here and I want to see it, but it's not to be used. Well, the other day I got in the shower and there was that bar of soap. My husband was using it. He did not know or didn't remember that that was special to me, that this was a bar of soap that Carrie had made for me. He listens to my podcast, so he might feel bad when he hears this, but I found this little bar of soap and the, the J was completely out of it and no longer did it have the, the little pipe cleaner J in it. And it, but it had the beads. There were a couple of beads left in it and it was just this sliver of the soap left. And I picked up that soap and I thought, I am no longer keeping this in the bathroom. I'm going to just go put it in my end table by my bed to, to protect it a little bit. This is the reason I bring this up. I could have had all kinds of awful thoughts about that. I could have thought, this is terrible. This is one of the last things that I have that belonged to my daughter. I could think, how dare my husband forget what this was? Or how could he not know? Or, you know, all these really horrible thoughts could have come up, but it wouldn't have changed a thing. Wouldn't have changed anything at all. So I just chose to focus on the things that I do have. I do have that mug that I love that was hers. And I do still have a sliver of that soap. And I still have little beads in that soap that she had put in there specifically for me. So rather than focus on what I had lost, I chose to focus on what I still had. In fact, just a couple of days ago, my daughter was going through a box. My daughter, Kristen, was going through a box of old letters and notes and pictures that she had. And she came across notes from Carrie and she was sharing that with me. 
I just thought, isn't that just wonderful that, you know, I don't have this little bar of soap, but look at this new stuff that we found that was Carrie's, that she hand wrote, that she hand drew. So really fun. Really, I I just decided that there was no point in focusing on what I'd lost. I decided to focus on what I still had. Now, going back to the whole idea of our thoughts and remembering that we should probably be careful about believing every thought that we have. I choose now to question everything. I question, is this true? When I have a thought come up, is this true? Or is this thought useful? Or is it going to allow me to feel the way I want to feel? Or is it going, is this thought going to help me show up the way I want to show up? So I answer those questions and then I decide. Then I decide how I'm going to consciously think about something. We learn a lot of non-useful things about grief, which becomes part of our belief system. That's what I love about the grief recovery method is that I get to teach people good, useful information that allows them to start working through the pain of grief so they can enjoy fond memories. So if we allow all this non-useful or myths about grief to continue to show up in our thoughts, then it gets in the way of us processing our grief and using good information to get past that pain so that we can enjoy fond memories. We can enjoy the good memories that we have. Next week, we're going to talk more about redirecting our thoughts and the importance of thinking good thoughts about ourselves. Also, I want to invite you to go to buildalifeafterloss.com and schedule a conversation with me. You'll see a tab that says work with Julie. Click on that tab and just fill out the little form there. And I love, love, love talking to you all. So schedule a conversation and I look forward to every single conversation. Remember, I believe in you. Have a wonderful week.